This show is brought to you by listeners and viewers like you. EvanX.com Tesla Accessories, our TeslaOwnersOnline.com community, and our Patreon supporters at Patreon.com slash TeslaOwnersOnline. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Tesla Owners Online Show. I'm your host, Trevor Page. I'm joined by Ian and Eric. I know we've taken a little bit of a hiatus for the summer because, you know, summer vacation is here and all, but I thought it would be really cool to start the next season, if you want to call that, by having a very special guest, someone we've been wanting to have on the show for a long time, and we want to welcome Mr. Sandy Monroe from Monroe & Associates. Thank you for joining us, mister. You, uh, you're a busy guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, things have uh, things have really uh, progressed. But uh, but anyway, let me thank you. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed that uh, that, uh, that and honored that you guys would want me on your show. So um, yeah, I'm I'm all uh, I'm all in as we say. Yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know, Sandy is the founder of Monroe Associates, a company <clears throat> that provides contract engineering for various industries, including aerospace, defense, automotive. But he's most famously recently known for being the premier company offering analysis and benchmarking reports of electric car, uh, electric car teardowns. And uh, Sandy has obtained and torn down such EVs as the Tesla Model 3, the Model Y, BMW i3, uh, the Volkswagen ID4, and most recently the Ford Mach-E, and soon a te uh, plaid Tesla Model S and the upcoming Cybertruck. So right. having said that, um, we're gonna get into this. Uh, what I'd like for you to do, Sandy, is maybe give us a little bit of a background on your careers. Uh, so maybe you can tell us a little bit of the inside of your early days of how you became a tool and die maker and how you transitioned to engineering. Okay, so um, yeah, I, uh, I was born in Canada. Um, You're in a Windsor boy. Essex County, I am. Uh, well. <laughs> I was born in a place that doesn't exist anymore. I was born in Sandwich East, and um, and it was basically farm country. And um, I uh, picked apples, and I picked tomatoes, and I picked um, actually I suckered tobacco and 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 caught racks. But uh, but in essence, I, I figured something out when I was about I don't know ten or eleven, <clears throat> and that was. This shit's really hard work. <laughs> I can't take this. I'm gonna I'm gonna die out here in the field. So um, so anyway, my dad ran a factory called Century Spray, and uh, when I turned 16, he said, you know, it's about time you got a trade. And so I was 18 for three years in a row. I was 18 when I was 16. I was 18 when I was 17, and I was 18 when I was 18. And I started my apprenticeship. And uh, there was always this commotion about every year you you hit the log in and well, wait weren't you weren't you born in 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 nineteen forty seven wait a minute weren't you born in nineteen forty eight wait what's your so anyway but at the end of the day I got through my toolmaking uh, career early um, so at nineteen I am my journeyman's ticket and um, and actually I was a lead and I graduated from high school and everybody said oh Sandy you're doing so well. You should go into engineering. Big, mis <laughs> big mistake. <laughs> anyway, I went to school for a little while, uh, and I found out that I didn't like that either. And so I went back, uh, back in like I was already uh, in those in olden days. We used to draw lines, and I went back into the machine tool and automation business. So Century uh, Spray, F. Joseph Lamb. Um, uh, LaSalle, a bunch of different, uh, different machine tool companies. Um, and I was, uh, sometimes I was a, a regular employee. Most of the times I was a job shopper. Actually, I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, Jobby Nooner, but, uh, Jobby Nooner is a big deal in Detroit. It's where everybody runs off to Gull Island and, um, Oh, all kinds of crazy things happen. Everybody's, um, everybody's, uh, drinking heavily and, Everybody's on boats and whatnot. <laughs> a job shopper is a jobby, and so I was in that crowd. I thought it was a lot more fun than than being a captive. So anyhow, so I spent a lot of time as a job shopper or jobby, and then um, um, I got married, and uh, my my wife said, uh, you know, about time you got a real job. So I uh, I started um, I started working in um, um, as a captive. And one thing led to another, and I got to Valiant Machine Tool. And at the time, Valiant was the biggest privately held machine tool company in uh, in North America. And I got to be the chief engineer, and so I worked on, or I had people that worked on 
um, automation, uh, on robotics, on um, dyes and molds, uh, on pretty much anything you can imagine. Um, and so I got a lot of experience and whatnot. And, uh, and we won a lot of awards when I was there. Um, anyway, one thing led to another and, I, and we created this really good intake manifold line the Ford Motor Company and uh, the Ford Motor Company came along and uh, and uh, said, hey, how much do you make? And I told him, and he said, that's not nearly enough. And, and how many people do you have? Just about 100. Oh, that's too many. Why don't you come here and you can just work, work for us and uh, we'll pay you more money and you won't have all these people issues. And I said, where do I sign? <laughs> so I went to Ford and I started at the Windsor Engine Plant as a machine, as a, a manufacturing engineer. And then one thing led to another and because, well, actually they hired me so that they could get rid of all of the, uh, all of the people and they were going to put in all robots. But I had worked in this industry for a long time. I knew that wasn't possible. Um, you should have told me that, you know, before you hired me, but th this isn't going to work. So, so anyway, one thing led to another and they said, well, what can we make work? And I, Put a couple of things in it worked really well and the next thing you know i got promoted to engine division staff i spent some time there and i created a couple of uh, lines um one was the vulcan v6 that's the one i'm the most proud of probably because it got implemented and it it was the engine that went into the taurus Taurus, that's right the taurus yeah. saved the uh saved the the world <laughs> or at least the <laughs> ford the uh, uh the ford motor company and so i was working I designed the engine assembly and test line, but I also worked on the design of the product. So it was really good experience for me. And then after that, um, I was moved into body chassis engineering. And then after that, I, I wound up in finance staff. So, and during that time, I met Dr. Deming. Dr. Deming uh, was a great mentor for me. Um, he told me what to do and when to do it. And um, and uh, anyway, one day he just said, it's time to leave. And I took his advice and I started Monroe and Associates. And my first, uh, actually my first job uh, when I started Monroe was, uh, was for Ford Motor Company, a redesign of the uh, 351W um, or the five liter. And um, a boy from a, Windsor works on the Windsor. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, okay. they wouldn't let me, they wouldn't let me work on the design when I was working for Ford in Windsor, and they wouldn't let me work on it because, oh, that, that engine's gonna disappear. We're still making it, it's still, still there. So I, I redesigned it when, as soon as I got out of Ford and I gave them the, uh, the information. There was a whole bunch of kludges that had been, you know, they'd just been forgotten. Like things like, let's machine, uh, let's, let's machine this hole for the distributor. We didn't, we didn't have any distributors anymore. So, so anyway, a lot of stuff got eliminated. They were, Ford was happy. I was happy. And that was kind of like the kickoff for my, uh, for my career. And then moved on to, uh, I, I actually, when I was still at Ford, I worked on the, uh, space shuttle disaster. They sent me off, uh, for that. Really? And then, wow. yeah, yeah. I, at one time, I was famous, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a Dr. yeah, Feynman. no question about it. It was a glory time, and then we worked for we worked for uh, GM and uh, um, Ingersoll Rand was a huge customer of ours, still is a customer of ours, um, on and on, and uh, here we are now uh, looking at electric cars were, after were only thirty three years. That's a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, question for you, Sandy. Were were you not? Uh, I heard somewhere that you were involved in the early switch over to robotics, or in, heavily involved with uh, with yeah. robotics. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. commonplace now, but back in the day, probably not as much, right? I remember the robots weren't multi-armed like they are today. They had basically no. just an arm that would come out and move, right? Right. What was the yeah. what were those so, called again? I forget. Um, I was just thinking of the name, and I, 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 it just I, went I, straight I, out of my ear. My, it's um, in my mind right now, and I can't. Uni something, um, wasn't it? Uni, uni, um, not Unimate. Well, Unimate was one. Yeah. I think it is Unimate. That's the one so I'm So anyway, Unimate, yeah. Unimate uh, was, the, uh, was the first robot I ever seen, and I was totally mystified. And that was when I was in my first year um, as, a, um, as uh, uh, an apprentice. So we brought him in to basically pick up parts and put them on the assembly line 
um, and that got rid of um, a loader because these things are sharp as razors. And so this thing would reach over, grab the part, and it had a pattern. There was a matrix pattern. Pick up the part, put it onto the uh, washing, uh, washing machines are kind of different than the one you got at home. They're about uh, 10 feet wide and about mm, 15 feet tall and maybe 30 feet long. And the parts go in, they're sharp, they got burrs, they've got chips and all kinds of stuff. They go through, they come out the other end and clean, dry, nothing, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're spectacular, ready to be put into, uh, into, uh, into a product. So the Unimates, they were, uh, they were brand spanking new. No one had ever seen them before. And uh, certainly when we had, actually, there was a newscast. I think, the, uh, I think that uh, what we used to be Channel 9 came in and, and did a big thing. Look at this, the wave of the future. <laughs> and it was, it was working. They finished uh, filming it, and then it <laughs> conked out, forgot where it was going. <laughs> thank, thank God the camera wasn't working <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, it, it had had its issues. It was, um, you got to remember that in those days, we didn't have computers um, and everything was on relays. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a real challenge to make things happen. I mean, it wasn't accurate either. Like this. Yeah, they like didn't have the a lot of, lot of you know, freedom of movement. You know, <laughs> you know when, you, uh, when you go to, uh, you know, you go to one of these carnivals or something, and you got a box and yeah. pick the bunny out after you, so mm -hmm. you throw a buck into it, right? And it goes like this all over the place, and then just before it gets to the it drops it the uh, the yeah it drops it yeah. because it's shaking so much. Well, that was the same thing as the Unimate. Cool. But we got them to work. They worked uh, well after we tightened them up a bit. And um, I can't remember who that was for. It was either General Motors, Ford, or Chrysler. But anyway, um, uh, they kept them going for quite some time. Um, and it was the first example. It scared the daylights out of the union. They really didn't like that. I can so, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, we want to uh, move on maybe some of the uh, other stuff. Oh, yeah. Get into the battery tech. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, so the battery tech is the big uh, thing right now. Of course, you know, Tesla had their battery yeah. day and stuff. So I think one of the first questions, oh, by the way, I should mention, I want to say a shout out to everybody on Twitter and our YouTube channel who supplied us with tons and tons and tons of questions for Sandy. Unfortunately, we can't <laughs> answer them all because we don't have all the time in the world. So we've had to consolidate a lot of this stuff. And that's what we're going to try to do here. We're going to kind of go through this as, as fast as we can, because I know a lot of us would just go on for like five or six hours, but you mm -hmm. guys don't want to watch a five or six hour show. Um, I would. I know. I would, I'm, too. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I spend a lot of time watching car building videos on YouTube. I love watching the robots. Anyways, um, so Sandy, so here's a question for you. So given that you've torn down so many different EVs right now, what is your take and I don't want to make this into a religious thing because it's not, but what is your take on Tesla using cylindrical cells as opposed to just about everybody else using pouch or prismatic cells in, in terms of packaging, wasted space? Yeah. Because like one of the observations I've seen, and I've watched your videos when you take down these batteries, seems to be a lot of complexity and a lot of wasted space in these, these pouch cells. Yeah. Um, there, well, it's not wasted space. It's just... Um that's just the way you have to make them because these these things expand and contract. So I've always been an advocate of cylindrical. Um, and the reason for that is because um, uh, one of the guys that Monroe, uh, uh, Mark Ellis, um, he's put in dozens of, um, literally dozens and dozens of, of uh, battery lines. And he's done prismatic, he's done cylindrical, he's done the pouch, he's done... Um, anything you can imagine in a way of batteries, he's, he's been involved in it. And quite frankly, it's a lot faster and a lot cheaper to, to run with cylindrical. To me, I just look at the efficiency and I like what I see. So that's kind of like what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm focusing my attentions on. Um, I think that, uh, from a density standpoint, everybody says, well, look at all the spaces around that you miss. Well, yeah, but I don't have to have chunks of steel all over the place or chunks of aluminum to hold a battery um, while it's expanding or trying to expand and contract. I, I got just one real round thing. And now that you've got the 4680s, yeah. um, like I wasn't really a big fan on the original 17, whatever they were. 18650s. Um, 18650s. They didn't do it for me, but uh, the 2170s got a lot better. And then, and then we got the, uh, well, we will get the, uh, the 4680s. 
4680s to me are great. Um, and we had tried to work on something that was um, uh, 50 by 80 or 50 by 75, sorry. And um, <clears throat> it just didn't go any place. We couldn't get uh, the right number of people involved. Soon as uh, Tesla came out with the forty six eighties, okay, yeah. we're done with that. <laughs> I'm fooling around with that anymore. I, I could imagine but, uh, that uh, Tesla's move to a structural pack obviously just makes your little propeller on top of your beanie head really spin, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's that's what we need is more, more spinning beanies. But uh, no, I think I think that um, I think that uh, that Tesla's gone in the right direction. And I like that. There are other battery packs that uh, that could have potential. Uh, down the road, um, I know that LG and uh, Samsung make—they uh, make good batteries. There's no question about it. Lots of people are using them. SK is coming on board, um, and then there's a whole, a host of uh, Chinese guys that are out there that, that um, in essence make uh, make all the products that you could possibly imagine. Um, so, so I I think that uh, that battery technology is going to evolve real quickly. And then we've got the other uh, aspects. I mean, um, there's a uh, uh, everybody's kind of talking about the um, um, solid state batteries. Yeah, um, that was another question we had. That's oh, the, the very it? next one. Oh, I just wanted to ask. Well, go you ahead. Go ahead, Quantumscape, Ian. Yeah. Quant yeah. Quantumscape to me looks like one of the most promising ones, and I know you've talked about them. So I'd like you to maybe elaborate. Solid a little power. Bit. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of them that are out there that have got um, great technology. Um, kind of is hard to make though. It's hard to manufacture. So yeah. they've got a lot of um, uh, manufacturing issues that they're going to have to get over. Plus, it's not solid state. It's it's a semi-solid state. The only solid state batteries I know of, um, you have to heat up to about 180 degrees C. And the reason for that is because, or sorry, is it 80 degrees C? Or is, I can't remember. But anyways, you have to heat them up. I think it's 80 degrees C. It's 180 um Fahrenheit degrees F. I can't remember, but anyway, um, you have to heat them up, and that's a that's a Canadian thing as well. If you look down in uh, Montreal, um, uh, at Blue, they um, they they've got something that's um, been bought by Mercedes um, in conjunction with a French company. That the the two of them are together now. I can't remember the name, but but they're uh, they're they really and truly have a solid state battery. So um, that means that. Everything is rock solid, but with um, with um, solid power and uh, QuantumScape and two or three of the other ones that we've looked at, they they do have to have uh, a certain amount of electrolyte on the cathode, and the reason for that is because there's no way to um, there's no way to move the um, the electrons um, uh, without without some kind of a fluid if it's cold. Uh, and these things all have to run at 70 degrees, which is another another issue. Cold uh, cold solid power is, or sorry, cold solid state is a lot different than um, hot solid state. There's there's a number of hot solid state batteries that work, but nobody wants that. Everybody wants to uh, to have the most efficient one, and that's that's probably going to be something like solid power or quantum scape or. Like I say, there's a there's a bunch of them. I out think there. the biggest issue I think for most people is is scale. I mean, Tesla's the company that's pushing very high on scale. They're yeah. not they're not necessarily innovating in terms of 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 doing solid state, but what they're trying to do is get the cost down. So they're doing by scale and innovating in getting the right. cost down where it makes sense. I mean, all you have to do is watch battery day. It's pretty obvious what they're trying to do. Um, I'm sure yeah. that if they could find the next technology, they would do it, but only if it's cost effective. Then right now. They're putting all their money into existing lithium-ion, yeah. making slight changes, uh, but trying to get the cost down. And then everybody else is like, I mean, we've got all these other companies who want to make EVs, but they just don't have the scale yet. I mean, GM or Ford, I mean, the Mach-E, 50,000 run rate a year. That's peanuts. Anyways. Right. And, and um, well, the Mach-E apparently has uh, sold or is sold out, so that's 75,000. So the Mach-E is doing remarkably well. Um, the Polestar um, is doing well in Europe. Um, not as good here as it probably should. The ID4. That's a hard sell. They got, they got, uh, it's a hard sell. Uh, Bolt, I mean, I don't want that car. Uh, most people look at it and say, nah, I don't think so. So they, uh, they, they've got to pick a different market, and I don't think they picked well with a Hummer either. 
But uh, mm. but I think that uh, Rivian is going to come out. Mm. That's a company and we're they're going to do really really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're going to we've got one of those on order. Um, obviously, the Cybertruck. I think there's going to be. Well, I've predicted that uh, the crossover point between EVs and um, and ICE vehicles will be 2028. And actually, I talked to my accountant last night, and she has a gigantic Lincoln. And uh, and, I, and Gloria said, when do you think I should buy a um, an electric car? I said, mm, now. And she said, why is that? And I said, because in about 2025, 2026, that thing is going to be hard to sell. Yep. Yep. And so, um, uh, <laughs> take your money and, and run. Uh, well, <laughs> oh, it, I, I mean, yeah. you pay now or you pay later. Right. So as far as I'm concerned, um, for her, I don't think she needs uh, a model X, uh, sorry, a model S, but she, she, she could probably go with a model X. That would, that would be a, a good car for her. She needs, she wants the, you know, luxurious and whatever mm-hmm. model X would be a good idea. And then if some of these other guys can make things happen, I mean, you've got um, oh, you've got a dozen. I don't want to give out uh, um, advertising and whatnot, but there's a whole bunch of of these um, what I would classify as ultra luxury kind of even even Bentley. Bentley is one of our customers, and um, and when I visited them in the November of 2019, we were supposed to have a big project. And I said, "What's the project on?" He says, "Well, I'm really not supposed to tell you, but it's going to be an EV." Okay, good. Let's do it. Cool. And uh, that's why they brought me in to talk. They've been a uh, we've we've been working with them since the early '90s, and they were, uh, you know, that's what they were working on. And then everything went quiet. And then Bentley came out and said, by 2025, they won't be selling any ICE vehicles, none. Hmm. So. So you mentioned Cybertruck just a few seconds ago, and I think this is a good segue to get into that. Um, I mm-hmm. think personally, other than the Model 3, this is the most anticipated car that Tesla is going to be building. And the way I look at it, it's not a pickup truck. It's no. it's it's a melding of an SUV with pickup truck capabilities. And we've said this many times before on the show that for Tesla to enter a very crowded pickup truck market in North America, which is dominated by the all three, the big three, that they have to be distinctly different and therefore better. However, if you think about it, the 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 reason that Tesla is distinctly dif- different is because of the way they want to be better. It's the other way around, right? Um, the design of the Cybertruck is governed by the way that they have to build this thing. So having said that... Um, what is your take on the construction processes and methods? I mean, Tesla's made a lot of noise about this thing being an exoskeleton, a three millimeter thick stainless steel. There are We know there's going to be a front and a rear casting and a structural battery pack, but there are going to be other stampings in this car. It's not going to be just stainless steel. So what are your, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on this? How are they going to weld this thing without staining the exterior? Because, you know, when you weld metal, you get uh, that kind of a little thing. blue so, marks. Yeah. Yeah. So first off, let me go back to one thing you said. It's a combination of an SUV and a, and a pickup truck. I think that they've got themselves a totally new market. And I think that this is the true sportsman's truck. I can put my, my quads in there. I can go hunting in this. This is great. If I'm a, if I'm a skier or a surfboard kind of guy, I can do that. I can you're put my bikes up, in there. You're going to give up your Jeep, right? <laughs> Um, you still actually, driving a Jeep? <laughs> I am driving my, I only have one car, a Jeep, um, or Jeep Wrangler. Right. And, but everybody in the planet seems to know that I, I have, um, I have a Cybertruck on order. Mm-hmm. So I have, um, I, in fact, I just bought a new house. We're in the process of, um, um basically rigging the roof with solar panels. And I have three, uh, Tesla walls, um, that, um, uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm in uh, power walls that I'm putting in and, um, and that will give us 10 days if there's no sun. Uh, otherwise I'll be selling back to the grid. So I think that, uh, I think that I'm pretty happy with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going to be driving the, uh, the, the, um, driving the, um, uh, cyber truck in essence off the sun and, um, and, uh, um, I'm probably going to keep the Wrangler because there are certain things that I don't want to do with the Cybertruck. And one of them would be uh, <clears throat> mounting winches and stuff. 
My wife uh, will not go for that. Um, <laughs> she barely put up with it um, on the uh, on the Jeep. So I'm going to keep my Jeep. I actually been offered the same price that I paid for it. Oh, yeah, the used so, market's uh, nuts right now. Yeah, it is. So I'm going to probably keep that until uh, the wheels fall off. And, um, and I've been trying to tear them off for a long time. So I think that as far as manufacturing is concerned, the uh, the ability to uh, to um, uh, manufacture using an exoskeleton is what I used for um, uh, actually. <clears throat> um, Zach, can you give me that little pink plane? Watch it. So it, somebody tried to tear, tear the wings off a while ago. See it right there? Yeah. Anyway, so we de we developed a plane. And uh, the plane was, uh, it, you didn't need a pilot. This was in 2008. And we, um, uh, we created a, an aircraft that had an exoskeleton. And it's not the first time that somebody has done that. Can I put this down here? Yeah, I can see it. Anyway, this is, uh, this is it. It's, it was called the Paradigm. It's pink because the motto was think pink when we were designing it because we wanted women to get into it. And if you know anybody um, who has, uh, any woman that has kids, the very first thing that they'll say is um, when they see a private plane or a, or a general aviation plane is, that propeller is going to chop my children up like a Cousinard. <laughs> so um, yeah, the, put it in the back propeller's in the fan. back here. It's mm. a ducted fan. Yeah. And, this, and the next thing is um, I need to be comfortable. So this, this aircraft um, had, um, it had a normal door, but it also had um, a sliding door on this side. The objective was that number one on the on the hit parade, um, a woman in an evening dress and high heel shoes has to be able to elegantly enter the aircraft. I didn't care about you know 15 G's of pull and all this. All these guys that uh, that designed uh, aircraft, they all wear white scarves. They all <laughs> think that they're going to be you know World War II mm -hmm. test pilots or something like that. This wasn't designed like this as air conditioning. Um, this has this one is shown with a um, with a Corvette V8 engine, but we also designed it for um, we also designed it for um, uh, what do you call it a diesel um, uh, inline wow. uh, inline four cylinder diesel, and the wing box this area right down here, the wing box is where the gas tank would go, mm -hmm. but. I could put batteries in, and at the time we designed this, uh, lithium-ion batteries were just coming into their own, but they kept catching on fire. So uh, we were kind of like reluctant to have that as our prime way of going. But but now I'd have no problem uh, popping um, popping uh, a bunch of uh, uh, batteries in the bottom. And like I said, this plane was different because you got you got a thousand feet of separation. Between uh, between you and your next door neighbor, your your the the other guy flying, so a thousand feet, a thousand feet, and a thousand feet. It's easy. It's easy to make this autonomous. It's tough for a car. When I'm looking at, uh, I got it three and a half feet. That's that's a little that's a little tough. But this, we've got pictures of um, of this uh, flying with. Um, with um, Fabot, it was uh, our partner in uh, in making this. <laughs> I mean, take off here. It was it was it was flown in Japan. We flew it in Japan. We flew it in um, uh, from Washington uh, Reagan Airport to Danville and back again with a bunch of senators and congressmen. Tragedy was that was all in 2008. And that was the end of that. The market, yeah. So, but but at the end of the day, all this, all this, is 100% exoskeleton. And if you talk to an airplane guy, he'll tell you it can't be done. And yet, it was done. This was Composites this or? was a copy. I could use a composite. We actually, my wife uh, has a PhD, and she developed uh, something called laser weld bond. And um, Sue, that's how she got her PhD. Um, Sue, uh, Sue and I and well, the whole team kind of worked on how would we make this thing using laser weld bond because we were looking at 60,000 aircraft a year. There's a lot of places like Indonesia where there's a whole bunch of different islands and whatnot. But that's, yeah. you know, that's then, this is now. 
we can put that over there. It's a nice decoration <laughs> in here, but uh, I don't think uh, I don't think I got time for that one. But I think that exoskeleton is a good idea. Uh, as far as uh, blemishes for welding and whatnot, no problem. When I was a kid, and I told you I was a toolmaker, um, we made gigantic um, um, uh, filtration systems for mines and uh, and for steel mills and things like that. All of them were made with stainless steel. All of them had to be polished out. So if you were an apprentice, um, you were given a big grinding wheel, and you'd uh, grind down okay. the welds, and then you took the grinding wheel off, put the buffing wheel on, and buffed it out. Looks fine. Okay. And as far as damage is concerned, I, uh, I, watched, uh, I watched giant chunks of junk hit. Um, we, did, we had a little more than three millimeters, but... I saw it hit the uh, the the, uh, the big pipes and whatnot that we made for these um, air cleaning systems. So what? You over wipe it off, done. Oh. It's very difficult to bang up stainless steel, especially if it's a, a three thousand series. So we had, we had another question because yeah. it, it seems to pop up once in a while um, because there's a lot of armchair engineers out on Twitter and the internet, of course, and they <laughs> love that. to bring up this thing about crashworthiness. And all the other stuff with this, <clears throat> with the Cybertruck, given that it's going to be thick stainless steel and it's going to be, you know, these thick panels and angles and you're going to kill pedestrians. <laughs> um, I mean, really? and, we, and oh. we know that, no, no, I'm telling you right now, it's all yeah. over the internet. Anytime you mention Cybertruck, everybody comes in and says, you're going to kill everybody with that thing because it's pointed and it's not going to have crumple zones because it's three millimeter stainless. And we know that with, at Tesla, the number one thing on a whiteboard when it comes to design is safety. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. How do you make it crumple? Yeah, it is a big question yeah. mark. You know, I'd love to know if you have some insight into that. It's got crush points. I mean, if you look at the car, you can see at the front end of the vehicle, there's lines. Those lines are the end of what we would classify a bumper, right? So mm -hmm. as you push that back, it'll fold inside the vehicle. It'll fold right inside, and as it's folding in, um, shit, I wish I'd have brought it. If I would have known, I would have brought a crush can. Actually, uh, Kim, well, out in the back is a crush can. So that crush can will be attached to the bumper, and it'll just squash right in. And uh, the crush can is on the, um, it's on the bench just as soon as you get into the real shop, okay, on the other side of where the... Dazzle, dazzle. One thing I remember about Tesla is with their crash rails that go into the body that they are pre-dimpled, yeah. so that they... they. That's that's what I'm. That's why I'm getting here to yeah. bring you okay. a crush can so you can have a look yeah, at. Yeah, you're it. talking about like it looks like an accordion. I've yeah. seen that. Yeah, sure. at the yeah. factory they right. love to show you that piece they do. So you could do the same thing, I guess, out of stainless. Is what nah, the... no, you wouldn't. There's stainless is there for the show part and and for the. I don't want to wash. In fact, I don't think I've washed my Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> More than five times ever. I mean, uh, it's it, it gets a wash. It must be really. It's got to be something serious. Like I got stuck in the mud, and it's got to be really serious. So, mm -hmm. I, I think that most of the guys that, or most of the people that buy uh, this kind of a product, they're going to let it sit in the rain, and ah, it's getting clean, good. But where on the inside, inside the uh, the the vehicle. That's where you're going to be looking at a variety of different materials. So uh -huh. they're going to be using aluminum. There's going to be using plastics. They're going to be using on there you are. See? And so Kim, Kim is also a budding engineer. So uh, she went on and found the crush can. So this is a crush can. Yeah. This is a crush can. Yeah, this is go. made for um, a smaller vehicle. But at the end of the day, when you hit something... It yep. comes up like an accordion or a squeeze box. Okay, so the one for the Tesla vehicle is going to be quite a bit longer. It'll probably be something like about that long. Mm -hmm. Okay, so half a meter for sure. 
And that is what's going to crumple in. It'll crumple down to about, I don't know, um, maybe six inches or something like that. It'll crumple in that far, and that's it. And it will pass. It has to pass everything that, uh, that Nishta says it has to pass. You can't get away from it. You can't sell products unless they're safe. Yeah. Every time I see one of these things, I go, can I click the channel? I mean, that's this is just wrong. People don't understand. There's a lot of rules. Um, oh, you yeah. just don't crank something out, stick it on the road. It just doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. And in the next question, I know you're going to say is, what about <laughs> maintenance? Oh, my God, maintenance. Oh, yeah. baloney. It's all... Well, when you design a product, you have to you have to design it so that you can take it apart if you have to, and um, and that's that. So um, Tesla is no harder to get at than any other vehicle, and although <laughs> although Elon hasn't sent me any <laughs> detailed drawings yet, <laughs> no. um, I don't know. I I don't know why. But anyhow, um, although I haven't seen any detailed drawings, I'm positive that if I looked at them, I would find out how I could take anything I needed to apart and put it back together. No mm -hmm. big, so no I big think the wow. next question before we move on, uh, just last one about the Cybertruck. Um, I had emailed, I, I tweeted to Elon a, a number of days ago, uh, see if he gave us some kind of update on the Cybertruck. And uh, he revealed that uh, their engineering to have four wheel steering, which was unknown to us. Now, this is not the first time that's been mm. done on vehicles before. I just thought um, any particular thoughts on that? Well, um, and that's a good idea because um, again, if you are using the truck for off-roading, if again, that is why I have a Jeep. I, I like to go off-roading. If you're off-road and all of a sudden you bump into a situation where you have limited access, um, you either have the Rivian, which can do a tank turn, yep. or you could have four-wheel steering where I can park the wheels in and I can, I can go around pretty much anything if I could do that. Uh, and believe me, I've been in situations like that, and that's why I have a winch so I can get myself out of that. Mm -hmm. um, the the turning radius on most SUVs, or sorry, most utility kind of vehicles like a Jeep, um, is large. Um, so, and my guess is that they're going to use virtual ball on that thing, which is going to make it even worse. So having it so that uh, the wheels can tilt and the front and back uh, makes it so that the turning radius will shorten up and that'll make people who, who do things off-road a lot happier. I'm happier already. <laughs> I had heard about that, but if you're getting it straight from uh, mm -hmm. from Elon Musk, then that's He did confirm sure. it, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Good, excellent. Cool. That's good news. Uh, yeah. Um, I think it's time for m moving on here a little bit. Um, we were going to ask you about the Roadster. I think it's a little too early on that. I think our, our main question is, do you think it's going to have a fully carbon fiber body? It was up to me. It would be. Um, That's what I'm thinking. I think either carbon fiber or um, you could use glass. It's a little heavier and a lot cheaper. Uh, but well, when I say carbon money, fiber, I'm not saying necessarily full carbon fiber. Like maybe like CFRP or something. You could use yeah. You can use a lots of lots of different. I know, uh, I know you're a fan. And of you this won't year. just use you won't just use one or two things. You're going to use a multitude of things to uh, to try and. Uh, I would try and get it as light as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, make it light and, and, and or sorry, um, make it fast and then make it lighter or something. I can't remember. Graham, I actually, uh, can you go in that door there and uh, pull out a, there's a great big piece of carbon fiber. Yeah, so anyway, there's a lot of different tricks. Everybody sees uh, carbon fiber as that hand layup mumbo jumbo, and that's fine. Uh, we've worked on lots of... Um, I know you're a big Lots fan of, of the BMW i3 and its CFRP implementation. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and right. he made but a good point before that it's that. not nearly as expensive to no, produce not, as no. people have in no. their heads. There you but go. this is um, this is a um, <laughs> this is a large piece. I, I don't firewall. know what's going on. Oh, people are grabbing it. I see. Oh, look, I have a halo. <laughs> a carbon halo. Anyway, perfect. Reason. This is uh, this is this this is huge. But it's really, really light. Yeah. And what it is is this is a honeycomb. Yeah. And this mm -hmm. is manufactured uh, basically um, uh, by heating it up and then uh, compressing it, right? Mm -hmm. It's compression molding. And um, and so this is about, um, I don't know, um, five sixteenths, three eighths of an inch thick. It 
and it works just great. So here's the deal. This, uh, I'll let these guys. Uh, Thank you. You got it. See that? And little Kim can carry that. Yeah, and if that likely. was made out of steel, I couldn't pick it up. Nope. Maybe the two of us, uh, maybe me and uh, Zach could uh, pick it up, but uh, but you, you just wouldn't, that just wouldn't happen. So that's something that, that's an internal part. That's part you won't see, but, but we can do the same thing with a spectacular finish using that same process. So depending on how, uh, how complicated the design is or the styling is, um, that would, uh, that, that would work on almost anything except for like some kind of a bird speak, a razor sharp, uh, bird speak. Well, I think it's pretty obvious right now that Tesla is not afraid to try new things when it suits them. Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, they're not like everybody else. Like, Oh, we just keep building it like this. I mean, I mean, how many doors, how many door, door handle designs have we seen with Tesla now? Four? They're not afraid at to. Least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Roadster won't four. even have door handles. It has a gesture. And, <laughs> and, and that's that's the the one thing that I uh, the first thing I spotted on the um, on the Mach E was no door handles. Yeah. And and the next thing that's got to go is wing mirrors. Yeah, I do absolutely. not understand why those things are still there. They are nothing but a noisemaker. Yep. And mm -hmm. uh, and they cut down on the uh, on your uh, coefficient of, of they they increase the coefficient of drag. And if we're going to try and make uh, EVs go as far as possible. You know what? I can get this little dinky camera. It's no bigger than that. Yep. And uh, I can put it in, and I can see right across. I can put it in my windshield, or I could put a, a like a long skinny um, uh, monitor across the top. I could see all the way around the car. Way better than looking in this little thing over here that always is in the wrong place. Yeah. You know, you get in the car. If you're yeah. smart enough to, th and I don't, I don't think of that. I'm looking and I look in the rear view mirror and I can see the rear tire. I, that's not what I want to see. And now you're fiddling around trying to, but with the cameras, it wouldn't matter. It's not mm -hmm. like you've got to adjust anything. It's always going to show you what's going on. Yep. That's one thing that, uh, that the, um, the safety agencies have got to start uh, well, demanding. Uh, I know. will say right now, I mean, I just saw a report that NHTSA had pu uh, put out a published uh, document asking for um, final input on that ruling. So it looks like it's finally, I mean, I understand behind the scenes, Tesla's working very hard to make that happen because they don't yeah. want to put cameras on the Cybertruck. That's what I heard. So we'll see what transpires. Yeah, uh, yeah, mirrors. Um, I mean, yeah, the mirrors. rear view mirrors is a camera mirrors. because of the tonneau cover, yeah. but they right. want to get yeah. rid of wing mirrors. Anyways, uh, we're limited on time here. We really have to move on. Let's talk about the Model S Plaid. We know you have one on order. You're doing a fundraiser yeah. right now to try and uh, get, yes. get your cost down. Um, anything mm -hmm. you can say about that very quickly? Uh, what are your plans send for the car? Money. <laughs> yeah, send money, of course. <laughs> Actually, uh, we, we've seen a tremendous number of people who just want to buy a bumper sticker. I mean, at least you get something for a, for a donation. So um, I can't remember the price, but it's like... Uh, I think you said it was like 13 uh, bucks or 15. something. It's, yeah, 13 Yeah, something 30, like it. I ordered yeah. mine this morning. It's $13 if you want just a sticker. And if you want one signed by Mr. Monroe, it's uh, 50 I went for the full deluxe signed edition. Oh, so. there you go. Oh, wow. Excellent. Okay, well, <laughs> everybody's, well, everybody's, everybody do that. I'll tell you. <laughs> Support the guy. Uh, I've been signing those by, like, by crazy, and I didn't realize... But anyway, I know that uh, we uh, we could still use more cash, um, but um, that is an expensive product. Yeah, it's not cheap. And uh, and and we like to you know be able to show people what's going on. Um, and when you got the, something that wasn't model? in the budget, initially. sorry to interrupt, Sandy. Was it the Plaid model you ordered so you yeah. can so you can look at the carbon wrapped motor? Is that, right. Is that the exactly. Deal? There's yeah. Well, that'd so be interesting. The one we ordered is not quite available or whatever mm -hmm. so it's getting pushed back a little bit but that's okay i want what i want and uh, i'll i'll get it so i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty excited about that and we're going to do a tour actually and uh so we're going to leave detroit and we're going to um, head south and south and east and so we're going to try and um you know basically stay on the uh on the um right hand side of the mississippi yeah and uh hit some of our uh some of the different tesla owners clubs and whatnot yep and we'll go probably down as far as miami and then we'll come back up the east coast and uh maybe get north of boston or something like that mm -hmm. and then cut across and hopefully the border will be open and we'll get to montreal toronto 
through winter and we'll keep an and, eye on that because we'll hit you up on that because you're right in our mm-hmm. neck of the woods so <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely cool. yeah all right uh like i said we're limited on time here we have a whole bunch of other stuff we want to hit here so we're going to kind of do a lightning Great. round here um you know you've been critical of tesla I mean, when you first got the model 3 you tore it apart you were rightfully critical i think in a lot of ways of the tesla's dinosaur technologies which related to the body but you are also very high praising of their power electronics, electronics in general, battery stuff. Um, what do you expect from Tesla in terms of innovations on both fronts going forward? I mean, we've already seen a little bit of the improvements on the Model Y, you know, with the castings. What else would you like to see? 48 volt system? Okay. A 48 volt system may be great, but you can't buy the components to make it work. But Tesla so, can make um, them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they could, <laughs> that would put that, and that's not the kind of thing you want to get into business on. Tesla is vertically integrated, and yep. they do a real good job, and I, I really like the vertical integration that they they put out. Uh, however, uh, going to 48 volts with all the sensors and everything else that you're going to need and nothing in the marketplace, then yeah. that gets to be expensive. And what's your savings? A few grams uh, mm. here and there on uh, on mm. wiring. So I'm not a real big, uh, I don't think that that's a good idea or a good way to spend money. What I do think is that they're going to look at systems that will eliminate wires entirely. Yeah, their digital so, wiring harness. Exactly. So you start looking at, I've got a power line, okay, I needed that anyway. And then after that, it'll be Bluetooth or something inside the, uh, inside the cab that'll, yeah. that'll help uh, reduce weight and, um, and actually make things go faster. Cool. So. Um, next question here. Um, I think you're in alignment with many, many Tesla owners out there uh, in saying that the company produces new cars, which are about 90, 95% complete, but later implement design mm-hmm. changes and improvements as they go. Um, right. Do you have any recommendations of what you would share to Tesla to maybe avoid some of these issues? Um, I will tell you that every car company I've ever worked with um, has issues. Mm-hmm. Um Correcting them in a hurry is what I'm really big at. I, I really, I really like the idea of, of making corrections as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. The other car companies don't do that. Um, I think I've used the term uh, Tesla moves, moves at the speed of thought. Um, hey, I think it's a better idea. Let's check it. Hey, it is. Let's go. With um, everybody else, it's um, let's draw it up. Well, let's think about it. Let's have a committee. <laughs> Let's uh, let's uh, think about it some more. Let's have a vote. Nobody wants to Too go out there and sign on a little thing. And then it goes to the change board. And then the change board says, change? Are you kidding me? Because all those guys are, they're there to, to basically say no. That's how they got the job. Nope, don't do that. Back in 36, you know, holy mackerel. That's, uh, that's kind of like what happens. So I, I guess uh, when it comes to that, I, there's always going to be changes needed or necessary or, but, but, uh, but it's the bigger thing is how quickly can you make that change and how quickly can you satisfy all the guys that you just sold a car to? And in most cases, Tesla makes changes that, um, um, if, if you, for instance, say the, the heat pump goes out and you had an early version. So somebody goes in there, pulls out your heat pump, but guess what? The new heat pump that's going to go in is better than the one you had before. Yeah. How can you go wrong with that? The mounting holes are in the same place, but now it's either lighter or more efficient or who knows what. And then OTA, I mean, uh, over the air um, transfer. That 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 kind of stuff is um, that's that's what sets Tesla apart. Mm-hmm. They do they they make their corrections really really quickly. With other people, <clears throat> they wait for you know, a mandatory recall or Ooh. something like that. And then they get nasty stuff in the press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Eric, what's the next one for us? So, uh, Sandy, thanks for joining us again. Uh, both you and Trevor have been on the record about the paint quality <laughs> of the Model Y, uh, and you were on the record as saying, I don't like the paint job at all. It's a bad paint department. I would be sacking the guy in charge, and during the shutdown – I would have had the whole new paint shop put in. Now, you recently interviewed with Elon, and he talked about this with you. But from your perspective, could you elaborate a bit more on why it was so bad uh, before and then why it, you know, they were able to quickly turn that around in just a matter of months? Um, yes, they turned it around, <clears throat> but, but they added a lot of um, extra things. So <clears throat> the first thing is that uh, the Tesla um, folks – 
never really tried to make cars at the rate that they're making them right now. So as you push a car out the door, you have to be cognizant of the fact that the paint has to actually dry. And you have to be cognizant of the fact that it has to be spotlessly cleaned. Yes. So I could be wrong, but I think what they added was a feather room. And a feather room basically is an area where the car is, uh, it's already clean. And then the feathers go over the top of it and make sure that there's nothing else left. And, um, and that would get rid of whatever paint might be, you know, uh, or sorry, whatever might be stuck on the, on the body that would be covered in paint and give you a, a nasty finish. The, uh, the other thing is, I think that they, they were too much in a hurry to, uh, to get the paint line up and running, and I don't think they cleaned it well enough. So, again, I could be wrong, but I think that what they did was during a shutdown, they went in there and either water blasted or sand blasted that thing, and then put a coat of paint over the top of everything. The paints we've got now <clears throat> basically will cover anything and nothing will fall off. It's more like glue than it is everything else. And so you do that, and now I'm not going to get any dirt put onto the car before it gets into the paint shop. Once it's in the paint shop, okay, if I'm painting a car every two minutes, um, I can do a pretty good job of uh, making sure that everything's covered. If I take the dial and go, eh, I want to wear every 60 seconds, yeah. well, things go wrong. And uh, if you don't, if you don't have a, you have to have enough length in the paint booth in order to, in order to make the, the paint uh, uh, work period. And then as soon as it gets out, okay, now, now I got to dry it. It's one thing to dry it at two minutes or three minutes. It's quite another to try and do it at under 60 seconds. That gets to be kind of hairy and you can't just take it and say, Oh, well, we don't have any more oven left. I, are you kidding me? That doesn't work. So now what you've got to do is keep your fingers crossed. And that's what they were doing. So the paint line that was on the van, or the old Fremont plant, that plant, I didn't like it. And as a matter of fact, I don't want to get into it, but I didn't like that plant when GM owned it. So um, at the end of the day, they, uh, they couldn't produce good paint jobs in that plant when GM owned it. And the reason was the paint shop was bought for a nickel or, or bought for on the cheap. Um, now I think what they're doing is they've, they've done something inside to try and alleviate some of these problems. And quite frankly, they may have added more robots to, for painting. They may have, um, they may have extended the, 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 uh, the, the uh, ovens and whatnot. I don't know, but I can tell you right now that I've seen some paint jobs that are just spectacular on a Model Ys and the Model 3s. I would have to agree that I, I have seen some improvements. We do know that they put a new paint shop in the Fremont factory in about 2014, uh, although all of us have very high hopes for the Austin factory and, of course, the German factory, which have all mm -hmm. brand-new Dura paint mm -hmm. jobs, so we have high hopes on that. All yeah. right, uh, mm -hmm. what else we got here, Eric? What else can we talk about? Well, um, one of our listeners has asked... Uh, have you ever put the cars that you tear down back together again? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they never go back together. Next question. <laughs> Next question. No, they go to the scrapyard. Which, which, uh, we which we can't take a chance. Yeah, which company has been most receptive to your feedback? Well. That might be a pointed um, question. Mm -hmm. That's a tough question. Well, um, Elon Musk, um, you know, he's been very kind. Uh, Ford Motor Company... They were delighted. Uh, they were scared to death when I started tearing apart the Maquis. <laughs> but um, other but than the they've, hoses, they've right? come back and they've been they've been very gracious. Um, most of them don't say a word. I mean, um, the folks from VW on the electric motor they were they were uh, definitely interested. Um, but that's well, the Chinese as well. So we have a lot of we had a lot of Chinese customers and um, and we helped them with their cars and whatnot and their cars are pretty good. When they start rolling into North America, there's going to be um, there's going to be a, a reduction in all of the local players. There, it's it's going to be just like uh, what happened when the Japanese started bringing their cars in, yeah, and some of them are going to go 
uh, are going to go, uh, they're going to get big real fast. Because there's guys that could easily compete with Toyota and um, anybody. doesn't matter who it is, BMW. Because they build all those cars. China's the biggest car manufacturing yeah. company on yeah. country on the, in the planet. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there you are. How are we doing here, Eric? Well, I know it's uh, just about uh, the end of the hour, so I'm not sure if you want to uh, start wrapping yeah, things up. Yeah, toss one out. Let's, no, let's go. Okay, sure. Okay. All right. Yeah, so, uh, appreciate that. Our, Thank you. Sure. Thanks so much. Um, so you mentioned before during the show that Tesla has done a really good job of sort of expanding its lead over other OEMs, uh, both here and abroad. Uh, do you think that they're going to maintain that lead uh, as yes. you predict over the next uh, seven years, or do you think that other companies could sort of tighten the margins a little bit? The margin might be tightened, but uh, Tesla's not a company that, that sits in one place. If it was, um, then maybe somebody could catch up. But by the time they catch up to where Tesla is, Tesla's going to be here. Mm -hmm. So it's a moving target. It's, much, it's a lot easier to hit a target if it's sitting there stationary and you got a sandbag with your you know, you put it, your gun on a sandbag. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot tougher if uh, you're in the woods and the deer is running by you and you're <laughs> shooting from the hip or something, okay? It's totally different. And that's kind of like what the auto industry is. There's never any sandbags and you don't get a chance to look at the target. You gotta, you, you, have, to, um, you have to anticipate the target um, and, uh, and that's where it gets really, really difficult. And nobody can tell me that anybody was anticipating the EV market um, in 2019. Because when I gave my speeches, I went around the world literally mm -hmm. giving speeches uh, saying that 2030 is the end of ICE. And um, I got booed and um, all kinds of nasty things happened. I didn't care. They gave me the money. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I, I, I basically, um, I had no problem with, um, with making the predictions. And now I've, I used to say 2030, now I say 2028. And now, well, yeah, there's a lot of people that are sitting up uh, taking notice. But yeah. then, not, not what, so much. What are your thoughts on the big three auto manufacturers in the U.S. really stepping up their game to move? I mean, they've all made announcements. We've seen a few products, but, you know. They like to make promises. Oh, by this date, we're going to have this. And we're going to have that. Um, do you think they're really yeah. going to survive? You know, this. I, this oh yeah, transition? I think they'll survive. It's just going to—they're going to be smaller. That's all. It's just like when um, when the Japanese first started bringing in over cars, Toyota, Honda, whatever. When they first started driving, well, I think it was—I uh, think General Motors had sixty percent, sixty percent of the market share. Wow, that's crazy. Now what do they got? I mean. The same thing is going to happen as the as the market expands, or sorry, as the as new entries come into the market, somebody's going to lose, and um, and uh, I don't think it's going to be Tesla. What about what about the so, smaller players like FCA? They don't seem to be doing anything. FCA Chrysler. There is no yeah Chrysler. Now yeah, when you said the big three, we really only have two car companies in the United States. Um, Solantis owns um fca and um so it's it's going to have a french spin um my my hope is that they won't do what renault did when they bought american motors mm -hmm. uh, you guys are all way too young but uh, oh, no no look up, look up <laughs> the guys uh, in their 50s renault. here we remember amc yeah yeah well <laughs> the um uh, the Renault Dauphin was not a fan of everybody. Uh, mm, that's not good. We used to have so, Renault in Canada, um, not anymore. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that that kind of stuff. Uh, I hope they don't do that. I, I hope that they uh, they understand that the car market here is different than the one in Europe. And but we'll see what happens. I don't know. Uh, they've gone very quiet. Um, FCA is, or what used to be FCA has gone very quiet. Okay. How are we doing, Eric? Any, any, any parting thoughts on the Tesla semi-truck and uh, if what you think it's going to do and, and perhaps if you want to get your hands on one just to try it out? <laughs> oh, try it out. I'd like to drive it. Yeah, yeah I, I, <laughs> I had a couple of offers to drive um, uh, some of the other semis out there, but then they kind of retracted because the press, <clears throat> I, uh, I just found out that you mean Nicola that the press what 
Nicola? And no. Nicola <laughs> was one of them. Nick, I wanted to go and see what Nicola had because you know what? I'm a, not a fan of hydrogen cars, but mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of hydrogen trucks. And the reason for that is because there's a thing called solid state hydrogen. That is what I want. Those discs, I can buy those at uh, the grocery store and, uh, and fill up just by swapping the discs, the discs out. And then you take the disc, bring it back and be like returning pop bottles. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's kind of like what I think is the right mode for, uh, for big trucks, aircraft. Uh, yeah, that's, and trains or ships. That's the way to go. Um, so, um, so that, um, that type of technology I think is great for there. Um, I'd like to drive these things, and, but unfortunately, the press just doesn't have enough blood to, uh, to toss into the magazines and TVs and whatnot. So they continuously trying to find some way of, you know, selling papers. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, the, I don't know. Anyways, I, I think that, uh, I think that, uh, that we are going to get into some sort of an EV truck. I think that um, um, solid-state hydrogen is a great idea. I don't like bottled hy hydrogen so much, but um, but I think that um, what's the name of the company uh, that uh, that's got the um, solid-state hydrogen? Uh, the guys with the discs and whatnot. Plasma kinetics. Yeah, plasma There you go. Plasma kinetics. Those guys, they were they were stymied for ten years by the U.S. government. They weren't allowed to uh, show anybody or tell anybody about what was going on. Hmm. That that that's a that's criminal. That's really really too bad. Yeah. But they've got the uh, they've got the uh, the way to basically um, basically put um, hydrogen on the map for big trucks. And basically, what you got is a disc that's about this big in diameter. Um, light beam comes down on it. It's a uh, multifaceted, but let's just call it a laser for talking, comes down on top of it, releases the gas as, as it moves on, you know, that record's over, then it goes to the next one. Great idea, phenomenal idea. When I saw it, I, I just, what, this is, how come nobody else thought of this? And um, so they're, they're in the process of talking to quite a number of, um, of big truck manufacturers, and I think that that's going to come to fruition. So there's one but I think uh, that one thing that's going to that's going to set the world on edge. The biggest problem I got with batteries or nothing but batteries is talk to a trucker. A trucker gets paid for load. They don't give him extra money uh, because he happens to have a really heavy truck. And until we can get rid of the really heavy truck aspect, it's going to be tough for me to see how truckers are going to want to have an EV truck. That isn't uh, first off light, or at least as light as what a diesel might be, filled with fuel and um, and uh, and quick change. So I have to be able to, I have to be able to either charge it up or I have to swap bottles. Or in the case of um, plasma kinetics, take out a bunch of round discs and put in a bunch of new round discs. It'll be interesting. That's what to, I, yeah. Be interesting to see. I happen to know that Tesla is currently building the very first mega charging station for their semi truck at Frito Lay in California. Yeah. So we're keeping tabs on that. All right, how are we doing there, yeah. Eric? Let's move on. All right, good. Um, so, what has been your favorite vehicle to tear down thus far, and what has been most amazing to you in your teardowns? Ah, that's a good one. Well, uh, the Tesla Model Y was my favorite teardown because we found so much stuff that I really liked. I was uh, on the fence with the Model 3. Um, I, you know, I, I made a lot of statements and whatnot, but the, mm -hmm. the Model 3 was, had a lot of really neat technology, 10 years ahead of everybody else. But, um, but with the Model Y, I got a chance to see something that I could use to um, crow about or, uh, or stick into um, other people's nose um, because we'd been pushing the casting idea for a long time yeah. mm -hmm. and we were continuously told that, you know, well, you know, Sandy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so anyways, um, I get a lot of that kind of sure. stuff. And, and we even had one sitting here before a long time ago and mm -hmm. it's still sitting there and people are still walking by and say, Oh, you can't, that can't happen. And so when the, the model Y came out and I saw the two castings. I was like dancing all over the place. And then they said, well, you've got an old one. Now it's one casting. 
Soon, I couldn't hardly believe it. Soon to and be two I, again when they go to the Austin yeah. one, when they do the front casting. Yeah. There's right. So they're going to have a front casting, a rear casting, and the center casting will be for the battery pack. Yeah. And, uh, and again, well, what happens? Nah, Who cares? you got to be kidding me. They just can pull these ideas, I was going to say out of my ass, but I can't <laughs> think of anything else. So they don't, they, that's not the way you do things. I mean, airplanes, medical devices, uh, cars, uh, you, you have to do a lot of testing and validation. And there's a zillion people that are looking at whatever you've done to make sure that you didn't screw anybody over. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we're, or isn't going to be, uh, it's going to be so unsafe that people are going to crash and die. Yeah. So, um, so I, these kids, people at uh, these doomsday Luddites, um, I mean, Peter, you can go and look that one up, but yeah, anyway, that's a um, perfect description. I mean, there's, this is, this is just like the industrial revolution when people, you know, burning down buildings that have got machines in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're in the same sort of a scenario. I guess nobody likes change. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's coming on, and um, these people will, uh, I mean, they may get their name in the paper today or tomorrow, but it, it, they'll fade into oblivion. Unless somebody, somebody gives a name like a Luddite <laughs> off the guy's name was Ludd, I think. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, and that's not a good thing to have. No. Nope. So. Now you had a you had a friend who thought about getting a Model Three, and you said, "Why not get the Model Y?" Is that right? Yeah, I did. I I recommend the Model Y. I do too. Uh, I've recommended it several times, um, and it's been the only electric car. Actually, that's not one hundred percent true because I was asked, "Should I buy a Mach-E or a, or a something else?" And I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And I said, "I I'd rather." You'd probably be better off with a Mach-E, and they're really happy. They didn't want to have a Tesla. And that's fine. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's a free I drove the Mach-E. Still, it's a great car. It is. It's lots of fun. Not as fast, and mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't have uh, – I like the – I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting used to it, but I like to drive – we have a Model 3 here that I we drive around. Yeah. And uh, my wife now, mm, hard to get her out of it. She doesn't <laughs> like the uh, – don't like the uh, – um, uh, the Jeep. So any, anyhow, I'm sorry to say that, uh, well, we're running uh, out of time. I'm getting waved at. Yeah. So oh, I I'm sorry. I, that, that's yeah. totally okay, Sandy. There's we really appreciate you plate. joining us on the show. Listen, we would love to have you again in the future. Maybe when you get your Plaid Model no S, problem. definitely when you get the Cybertruck, we want to have a mm-hmm. chat with you on that yes. because, sure. um, yeah. I have two on order myself. Um, I'm only going to get we one, but five. <laughs> yeah, five. we have five on order at Monroe Associates. So, yeah, so one's mine. That one's not going to even come close to the factory in case somebody has got a wrench <laughs> in their hands. Uh, so I'll that'll be, be I'll, I'll be getting away. a Roadster too, but I'm not letting anybody take it apart. Sorry. <laughs> ah, well, the Roadster isn't as interesting to me as a Cybertruck. No, I, no, I agree really, with you 100. Really that I, yeah. between both cars, the Cybertruck's the one that I'm super excited yeah. about. Anyways, well, yeah. that brings us to the end of the show, and uh, you guys know where to follow us. And we have to let Sandy go, but we really appreciate you having me on the show. And like I said, we will have him on again uh, as soon as he has some time and he has some extra products to show us and stuff. So, anyways, that's it for today. Thanks for watching, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Again, thank you, Sandy, and we will talk one to you guys. Thank you. One last thing. Thank we'll you, guys. More. Thank you. Hold Don't on. forget to go to MonroeLive.com yes. and order your bumper sticker yes. so that this man <laughs> can get a plaid and we can see it all get taken apart. I will Do put that. a link well, in the thank video you. description. Thank you very much. I, I'm, no I'm going to hire you for my new um, <laughs> uh, what do you marketing call department. Yeah. Marketing, yeah. The Ian Marketing Department, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Okay, Thanks, thank guys. You. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Sandy. Bye for now. awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yep. Bye-bye.